Hi, this is Dan Runcy, founder of Trapital, and you're listening to Your Morning Coffee, your place for weekly insights on the new music business with Jay Gilbert and Mike Etchart. From Billboard, four takeaways from the RIAA 2023 mid-year report. Prices rise, subscriptions slow, and more. From multiple sources, artificial intelligence in the music business, what you need to know. And from Symphonic, six music industry topics every musician should learn about. Only six? (laughs) Yes. We've got a whole bunch of stuff to talk about today. We're glad you're here. Jay is checking in from lovely Nashville, Tennessee. Yes, sir. And we're going to start the show right about now. Stand by for transmission. This is London Calling. Wake up! Your morning coffee, on the air, 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 on the for the new music business. It's the highly curated, agitated, advocated, moderated, and liberated digital music information that you need to know. We are your digital music authority. Now, from our studios in Hollywood, California, here's your hosts, Jay Gilbert and Mike Etchart. Well, Jay, look at you in Nashville, Tennessee again. That that route between LAX and Nashville, you are you could fly the jet. I mean, you you've how many times you've been to Nashville in the last calendar? Year? I go out to Nashville quite a bit. I love it here. It is so inspiring to be around so many talented people. And listen, there are good songwriters and musicians everywhere, but Nashville mm-hmm. is special. It is the mecca for really talented songwriters, musicians. It's just on another level. Well, and, and just geographically, it's in a relatively small area, right? Yeah. And so you've you've got you you just you can't you can't turn around without seeing <clears throat> a venue or a happening <clears throat> event going yeah. on or an artist or something like that. It's really compact, and yeah. it's just so chock full of just fun music happenings, man. Yeah. It's a, it's a it's a good place to be hanging out, and it's growing so fast. Every time I come to Nashville, the city's bigger. The roads aren't getting any bigger, but yeah. you'll see somebody playing music at the airport or in a restaurant somewhere, and they are world class. You know, it's yeah. really yes. crazy. I'm here for Americana Fest. It's been such a great week. Um, I did this amazing panel that uh, was uh, moderated by Michael Burroughs, our friend over at uh, Symphonic. The panel was called Standing Out in a Crowd Digital Music Strategies to Propel Your Music and Grow Your Audience. And special shout out to Caitlin Parmenter, um, Ashley Alexander, Dustin Boyer, uh, just a fantastic panel. We had a really great conversation. We talked about tools and techniques and what to avoid and, and you know, just ways to grow your audience. 
And I think we all learned a little bit from each other. And I know the people in that, uh, that audience uh, came away with some actionable things. So it's, uh, besides that, and then all of the different showcases and different, you know, I went to the city winery last night. Um, man, it was just fantastic. It's fun and uh, it, a little bit tiring, but boy, when it, to have that much music in in that space and to be learning about different things, and I know you, and how much you enjoy being on panels. Yeah, it's uh, by the time that the whole thing is over, I'm sure you're pretty pretty knackered on your way home. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm exhausted. I have a couple more showcases this weekend, um, and then I'll be home on Monday. But as I was telling you before, we. Uh, hit the record button, you know, that two hour difference is uh, a lifesaver, you know, because yeah. uh, <laughs> it's much that's earlier right. it's for different. me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But, but, but of course, when you, when you travel, just as you're adjusting to the time where you are in this that's case right. in Nashville, then you go back home and then you're kind of out of whack. So yeah, I know that feeling. I know that feeling, but yeah, uh, yeah a lot of good stuff to talk about today. And, oh my gosh, uh, so much. Yeah, and let's let's talk a little bit about NFTs. Um, you remember Jay when NFTs sold for millions of dollars? Ninety five percent of the digital collectibles may now be worthless. This was from an article in Business Insider. Oh my goodness! Right. Well, you know, most NFTs now they're worthless. You know, less than two years after that real bull run on digital collectibles. So they have this study in Business Insider examining more than 73,000 NFT collections. And they found that 95% of those have a market cap of zero. Ay, 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 ay. Out of the top collections, the most common price for an NFT is now just between five and a hundred dollars. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah. How quickly, how quickly. And what I saw, what was fascinating too in the article is by, by their estimates, almost 23 million people hold these worthless assets. Yeah, 23 so, million man. people, you know, have, have bought them and now they're not really worth much, but let's look at the other side of the fence. There was this uh, really cool op-ed uh, in music network by uh, Bruno Gaze. And the headline was NFTs are the future framework for music royalties. And I thought that was really interesting. Very interesting take. Through, uh, it says, through smart contracts, NFTs can specify and enforce how content may be used, thereby offering a unique way for content owners to monetize their assets across tomorrow's distribution channels. We're talking the metaverse, gaming, VR and AR, and AI. Unlike the restrictive uh, capabilities of traditional digital rights management, or DRM, uh, NFTs can act as inclusive solutions that encourage derivative works and collaboration all while automating settlements between rights holders. Right. So let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. You know, the right. underlying technology of Web3, NFTs, DAOs, things like that, they're going to be around a while. And it's, it's foolish to sort of dismiss that, right? So beyond traditional usage, NFT-based licensing can pave the way for innovative models like STEM licensing and AI-generated content. It can also incorporate standard practices like mechanicals and neighboring rights directly into the digital assets. So to navigate this complex landscape, the industry should use the current lull in Web3 and all of these activities as a period of careful planning and testing. 
Yeah. So uh, Bruno Gaze is the CEO and founder of a digital asset management platform, Revelator, and a former director on the board of the Merlin Network. But, you know, you and I were talking before the... Uh, before we hit record and you know when especially when we were back at universal and in, in this advanced technology group kind of in the early days mm-hmm. of looking at all this stuff you know there tends to be i think this sort of enthusiasm when you when there's a new technology to just kind of blanketly say this is it this is the future we've hit on this <laughs> right and then how many then times things- have we seen that Oh gosh, so many times. Yeah. This is net what's next. This is what's happening. This is going to take over everything. And and in fact, usually it doesn't. Yeah. And we we I think in all industries, but especially in the entertainment space, we tend to be um, looking for that next answer and a little over enthusiastic. So it is interesting to see the whole NFT thing. Not yeah. surprising, but yeah. it's interesting to so see. So don't dismiss the technology. No. Um, the no, bubble no, no. burst on NFTs as collectibles. The the emperor didn't have any clothes on. Um, but please don't dismiss that technology because it's going to be around a while. Now, this week we had a pretty big announcement um, that I'm really excited about. Um I've been working with this company called Astral and they've created this technology that ingests your content library of articles, podcasts, books, whatever. And they generate sort of a chat GPT out of it. And they did that for your morning coffee. So they took a hundred of our podcast episodes that you and I have Uh done. They've ingested it into this uh, platform and created this. It's sort of like a chat GPT. And I put it in your morning coffee this week and it is really cool. You can ask it questions. There's some canned questions um, that are there if you want to learn about certain things. And this is not just drawing from your opinion and my opinion. It's based on the articles that we report on, the reports that we report on, and also the guests that we have, our expert guests, and what they say. So it's Amazing. it's pretty cool. And this last week, um, I spoke with Astral, uh, their co-founder and chief product officer, Jack Bogdan, sorry, Jack, about this technology and about Astral. Let's listen into that conversation. Jack, always good to see you. Thanks for joining us. Good Uh, to see you too. Tell us a little bit about Astral. How, How does it work? Well, what Astral does is it takes content libraries like Your Morning Coffee and turns them into learning engines for your audience. So that means anyone can go in and ask questions and have the answers sourced across, you know, multiple podcast episodes for other folks could be blog posts, books, courses, videos, you kind of name it. And what we can also do is pull key insights from that library so that folks can kind of dig in and learn more. And frankly, there's like a lot of really exciting stuff that we have plans to kind of make all of that incredible knowledge more accessible, more actionable, and more fun for folks. Tell me where you think, you know, if you can use your crystal ball, where do you see this technology going? Well, I think one of the amazing things right now is when you look at the pace of AI development, there's a lot of folks focused on, you know, how do you build this be all end all system? And uh, I see that as like the direction that most of these companies are taking and it kind of removes the the people from it. <laughs> like it makes it very like a lot less personal and a lot less focused. Um, you know, we, we look at how AI can be a tool to empower people to kind of scale themselves and their knowledge kind of beyond what they could do alone. And frankly, our big bet is on people and their unique perspectives. So we want to help 
experts be more accessible than ever and create that more personalized and actionable experience for their audience way beyond what's possible today without getting you on the phone. Um, and what's really exciting, I think, broadly about the technology is that it's advancing at such a pace now that I can't really tell you what's going to be possible, like exactly in six to 12 months. Like it's kind of like that science fiction moment in the 60s where you you have the Star Trek communicator and then 50 years you get the like later you get the iPhone. But imagine that. But like every year is basically kind of the situation that we're at with these models. But what, what I can say is when you build ethically, it's really impressive what you can do today. I mean, there are still limitations um, that we work around, but it's, it's amazing what's possible. Yeah. I am really excited to see what you build. Um, let's keep in touch on this thing and congratulations on your launch. Thanks so much. You know, it's just, um, this is one of those things that's just, I mean, it's coming fast and furious, but I, and yet I'm still kind of blown away whenever I, I, I am introduced to different ways of skinning the cat. So yeah. to speak. Yeah. I was so really cool. thrilled to, uh, to see them, uh, create this and I can see how it can be used for different businesses. Can you imagine, you know, if you're a licensed therapist and you can put your knowledge base and all of your papers and all of your things into this and your clients can not only come and see you, but part of that fee is they can get information on their own. And I think of it as things like, you know, Billboard magazine. Wouldn't it be cool if mm -hmm. all these uh, issues of Billboard magazine were put into this uh, platform and then now you've got this knowledge base to draw from when you want research. So I think the possibilities are limitless, but if you get a chance, check out, um, it's Your Morning Coffee, and I'm just jokingly referring to it as Your Morning Coffee GPT, but it's in Your Morning Coffee this week, and uh, check out Astral, A-S-T-R-A-L, and uh, thank you, Jack Bogdan, for coming on and uh, explaining it to us. Yeah, very cool. Uh, Jay, before we go further, what do you say we thank our sponsors? We are so lucky to have the greatest sponsors in the world, and Boy. it certainly couldn't do this show without them. No, we couldn't. Uh, the Your Morning Coffee podcast is brought to you by our friends at Banzoogle. Built by musicians for musicians, Banzoogle is an all-in-one platform. It makes it super easy to build a beautiful website and EPK for your music. All the features that you need uh, for a professional website, everything is built right in, hosting and a custom domain name, dozens of fully customizable design templates, tools to sell your music and merch commission-free, commission-free crowdfunding and fan subscription features, mailing list tools to grow your fan list and send newsletters, social media integrations, and live support from their musician-friendly team seven days a week. Your Morning Coffee podcast listeners can go to bandzoogle.com and try it for free for 30 days. Just use the promo code MORNINGCOFFEE, all one word. That'll get you 15% off your first year of any subscription. That's bandzoogle.com promo code MORNINGCOFFEE. And we are also sponsored by HypeBot. Since 2004, HypeBot has chronicled the new music industry and the trends and technologies that are changing how music is discovered, consumed, marketed, and monetized. It is edited daily by founder Bruce Houghton with help from Alana Bonilla. HypeBot and sister blog Music Think Tank are published by live music discovery and marketing platform Bands in Town. Don't you know it? Bands in Town. Over 80 million live music fans trust Bands in Town to get personalized concert alerts, recommendations, and messages from their favorite artists. It's the number one artist services platform connecting over 590,000 artists with their super fans. Managers, labels, agencies, and artists access their own dashboard to manage and promote their tour dates across all platforms. 
And we are also sponsored by the Music Business Association. The Music Business Association creates the rooms in which the important conversations that shape our industry's future take place. Our membership represents every major segment of the global music business, including labels and distributors, music streaming, retail and wholesale, publishers and PROs, rights management and metadata, artist managers, tech and startups. Visit musicbiz.org for more information. So huge thanks to Banzoogle, Hypebot, Bands in Town, and the Music Business Association. We are eternally grateful. We being myself and Jay Gilbert, when he is not flying to Nashville, he is a music industry consultant. He's the curator of the weekly Your Morning Coffee newsletter and a former executive with Universal Music, Sony Music, and Warner Music Groups, and an international man of mystery. <laughs> yeah, I am. And this uh, handsome gentleman across from me, Mike Etchart, he's a longtime host of Sound & Vision Radio, formerly of SST Records, Warner Music, Capital EMI, and Universal Group, groups, I should say, plural, and he and I were talking about The Ledger, which is Glenn Peoples' weekly Friday newsletter, one of our favorites. And he goes yes, into the RIAA mid-year report, um, which we're going to talk about in a minute. But there's a couple of highlights I wanted to pull out of that that you and I talked about that are super interesting. One is an article from Elias Light that he uh, referenced called uh, YouTube Loves AI and Hopes That You Will Too. Super fascinating read. We don't have time this week to dig into all of the stories, but that is a really good one, so check it out. And then the one I wanted to talk to you about, Mike, um, sort of the the big elephant in the room this, this week was uh, BMG is leaving ADA. BMG will yeah. handle its own distribution um, when they leave ADA later this year. And, you know, they're the fourth largest global music company. This is a big deal. And this is, by the way, the new BMG, right? This is not the old BMG. This, that's one of the things that's so confusing when you talk about BMG is that the BMG that, that existed when we got in the business is now, is now part of Sony Music. But this is the kind of reinstituted BMG. But that is huge news. They are an enormous beast. I mean, they have gotten so big relatively quickly. I'm trying to remember when they came back. Yeah. Um, well, but, they, they uh, bought catalogs. They, they mm -hmm. have uh, all sorts of great artists. You know, it's like 80 billion streams a year. So it's a beast. And like I said, fourth largest global music company. Uh, this is a really big blow to ADA, you know, which is part of Warner Music Group. Mm -hmm. um, it'll be interesting to see what happens next, but there, you know, it makes a lot of sense if you think about it, that they take over their own distribution. Yes, it does. Well, and it's, it's, I, I'm, I kind of tip my hat again when you, when you see how quickly they've risen to the size that they are, BMG that is, um, yeah. that is, it's happened in a relatively short amount of time. You know, they literally went away and came back. And of course, BMG, uh, has a huge publishing uh, books and things like that. The side of the business based over there in Germany, of course. So it's it's. Uh, I tip my hat to them coming back in a way that you know, I, I can't think of another uh, situation or another company like that that kind of divested themselves and then came back in a different form, so to speak. It's yeah. it's remarkable how quickly they've gotten big. Yeah. And if you're at ADA, how do you make up that business though? That's tough. That is tough. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, Jay, let's jump into some of the stories. What do you say? The first yeah. one from Billboard, four takeaways from the RIAA 2023 mid-year report. Prices rise, subscriptions slow, 
and more. Yeah, this is uh, you know a report that we talk about twice a year. Uh, and same with IFPI. And for those that don't know, RIAA is U.S. IFPI is global. So we're talking about U.S. Uh, the music business. And uh, this was written by Dan Rice over at Billboard. And he said that, you know, at $8.4 billion, the U.S. recorded music market set a record for revenue at the year's halfway point. And he talks about some trends uh, in this article about why that is. And it's there are always a couple of surprises as you dig into these numbers. Right. So he starts with ad-supported revenue flatlines. The RIAA reported that ad-supported on-demand streaming revenue came in at $870.1 million, just a 0.6 percentage bump over the $865 million it generated in the first half of 2022. Looking at the 2022 mid-year report, the ad-supported revenue figure was $875.5 million, up 16.4% from the 748 million midway back in 2021. What it points to at best is a stagnant advertising market and at worst, one that risks going backwards. He says, on one hand, it's not surprising given the adverse advertising market across the board in 2023 so far. On the other hand, it's yet another blow to a part of the model for services like Spotify and YouTube that has been maligned for years and considerably detracts from the value of music. Still, revenue from the other, from the other ad-supported streaming category grew 56.8% year-over-year for an increase of $58 million after a few years of negligible growth yeah. at best. So that's ad-supported streaming. And mm -hmm. a lot of people think that that's positive, that that's sort of flatlining um, because right. there's so much more revenue in the subscription-based. So the second point, <clears throat> excuse me, he points out is a big pricing shift, you know, in the past two yeah. weeks, a lot of conversations in the music industry have revolved around how royalties from streaming services should be divided going forward. But the broader issue that many executives and executives are and have been pointing to has been about pricing. Music streaming services have fallen behind the times in keeping the price of monthly subscriptions largely static over the past decade plus. So while video streamers, you know, with fractionalized offerings have really raised prices regularly, you know, the Netflix of the world and the Hulus, you know, you know, I talk about that right. all the time. That's right. Um, and they, then he goes on to say, but it's not just streaming. Those streaming service price hikes got a lot of attention, and rightly so, but the industry is seeing increased revenue from consumers in more than just streaming. The physical product market has continued to grow in revenue, up 5% overall, with vinyl revenue rising 1.3% year over year, up to $8.2 and CD revenue growing uh, up to 14.3%, up to almost $30 million. Mm -hmm. What's more interesting, apart from perhaps the winding down of the vinyl explosion double-digit increase narrative of the past several years is that both formats grew in revenue while being down in unit count. That's key, right? Both yes. formats grew in revenue but while being down in unit count. So vinyl overall, it seemed to be a little static year over year. The number of records sold, uh, it dropped about 400,000 units or so. So even as the revenue sort of ticked up, 
Um, that's amazing. But the discrepancy yes. in CDs was stark as well, despite the, uh, you know, the double digit revenue growth that's been associated with vinyl in the years past, there were actually 3.2 million fewer CDs sold in, in the U S in the first part of 2023 compared to last year, whether that's a reaction to the hyper fandom of artists who tend to do well in physical market, raising prices significantly or a marker of an industry wide price hike there. It's another example of how pricing is shifting across the industry and changing the revenue picture as a result. And then Dan asked the question, subscriptions slowing down? As noted above, the average number of paid music streaming subscriptions grew by 5.8 million in the first half of the year to 95.8 million total. That represents the slowest level of growth, both in raw numbers and in percentage, since at least 2015, when the U.S. streaming industry was still in its nascent phases. The growth in the number of subscribers has been slowing down now for about five years straight as those who haven't already gotten on board with paid music streaming slowly sign on. Mm. But it's unclear how much room for growth remains. And either way, the focus will continue to shift from acquisition and retention to growing value. Yeah, I think the key takeaway here is that we're seeing this slowdown in units and in usage, but revenue is ticking up. And we'll take a look at the report itself in a second. Um, mm-hmm. Just a, a last word for you know this RIA double report or um, RIA re- um, mid-year report. Um, he points out that ringtones and, and ringbacks, you know, remember those? <laughs> U.S. Course. consumers spent $6 million on them in the first half of 2023. What? You know, and that is basically Ooh. flat. It did almost the same last year. Yeah. Um, that really surprised me that they even still have a Billboard ringtones chart. <laughs> I, I had no idea that was still a thing. But let's take a look at that report. And there's a link in your morning coffee. So you can go uh, right to this report. And at a glance, you can sort of see you know, how revenue is going, you know, whether it's wholesale or retail again for the first half of the year. But the first chart that I glanced at was U S recorded revenue uh, in music. And it shows that streaming is pretty much the same as it was before. It's 84% of the business Mm -hmm. while physical is 11% of the business. And I was really surprised. Well, sort of surprised that digital downloads are 3%. But as we reported in the last couple of weeks, certainly on the country music side, um, downloads are still a thing. Yeah. And I still download music, you know, it's, if, if it's something that I want to have, uh, permanently, you know, if I'm working out at the gym or things like that, I, I still like to have things on my, on my digital device that I don't need to rely on an internet connection for. Yeah. And so, uh, but very interesting to see kind of the, the, the things coming out. And again, it's, it's, it, we seem to be getting to a point where we're not going to have much more growth, at least in subscribers, but it's encouraging that profitability is there. Up. It is. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. uh, we are still chugging along and that is a good, a good thing. And, and the, the whole thing with ringtones though, kind of back to our earlier statement about, you know, when I remember having conversations in the early two thousands about how important ringtones will be in the future. And then they're not. <laughs> it's Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's it's just like what you were talking about earlier, you know, with the uh, NFT craze. Um, and digital downloads, if you look at the charts, that's the configuration that's been around the least 
of any configuration. Right. When you look at, Time you know, exactly. You look at things like CDs and vinyl, cassettes, you know, streaming, all of that stuff. We thought downloads was going to be the final configuration. Well, it's not. Yeah. And I think to, to think that streaming is the final configuration may be foolish as well. Well, and, and we've mentioned this a few times on the show, but I, you know, we were there for when we couldn't wait to get rid of vinyl. Uh, you know, it was just move on. CDs are here. Vinyl's in the rearview mirror. And if you would have told us then, because this is, we're talking now the late 80s. Um, this is really, it, it, I would not have believed you if you said we'd be having this discussion in 35 years in the future that vinyl is still a viable format. Yeah. And it would knock me over with a feather. Yeah. Never, never would have thought that at the time in the late 80s. That's right. So. It's a part of every plan that we do now to have vinyl, color variants, you know, record store day, all sorts of things. So let's move into the next story because this is super interesting. And it was from multiple sources. It talks about AI, artificial intelligence in the music business, what you need to know. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it's. It started off with this um, article that I saw in Repertoire um, by Matilda New. And the headline was AI in the music industry. And I thought it was super interesting. And we can just review some of these um, things that she points out, which I thought were really interesting. Like number one, auto tagging, you know, revolutionizing music metadata. <clears throat> Jeez, excuse me, sorry. Um, metadata is the pillar of the music industry. It allows artists, labels, and streaming platforms to categorize and organize effectively. With that said, tagging music can be a scary task for music businesses because it's challenging and can often take significant time. So that's one area where AI can be very effective for the music industry. Right. She also mentions optimizing music management. Music businesses often manage enormous libraries of songs, making it difficult to keep track of every detail. However, AI-driven systems can help streamline music management by automatically organizing and cataloging, and cataloging music, I should say. She yeah. says, for example, they can categorize songs based on an artist, genre, and release date making it more comfortable for music professionals to find and work with the music they require. Yeah, that's really good. Number three was better royalty management. So these are all these really healthy things that AI can do for music because you read about mm -hmm. all of the things that it can do which are challenging for labels and songwriters. So better royalty management, one of the most vital aspects of the music business is guaranteeing that artists and rights holders receive the fair share, their fair share of royalties. This process has historically been cumbersome and error prone with many artists underpaid by music companies. And that's led to lengthy legal battles. But with AI, the, it's a game changer for royalty management. For example, AI powered royalty management systems can track music usage across diverse platforms that can estimate royalties accurately and facilitate faster and more transparent payments. Sure. And of course, curating playlists with precision. Playlists, needless to say, are a huge driver of music consumption on streaming platforms. Uh, the good news, AI-driven playlist curation tools analyze user choices, listening history, and the elements of songs to create personalized playlists for listeners worldwide. These yeah. intelligent algorithms can choose which songs are likely to resonate with particular users, improving the listening experience and keeping them engaged on the platform. But for music companies... This means better user retention and more exposure for their artists. Yeah, and, good. and number five, she points out, is 
efficient tour planning, right? So AI can help with that. Touring is one of the most important ways to make money in the music business. However, touring hasn't always been straightforward to organize, leading to logistical and financial issues with the growth of AI. Companies can use uh, AI to evaluate a wide range of data, including social media engagement, historical sales, and that can help you make really good decisions about your touring. Sure. How about content creation assistance? Content creation is a multifaceted process for music companies, encompassing everything from songwriting and music video production to marketing campaigns and promotional materials. Thankfully, AI technologies are becoming increasingly valuable in streamlining and enhancing these creative endeavors. Uh, and, you know, when, when you think about it, of course, there is just a lot of stuff that happens around the release of music. And, yeah, having this kind of a, a, an easily way of collecting all of these things. Yes. Super helpful. Yeah, absolutely. And AI doesn't necessarily take over all of these things. It just helps that it can give you a starting point. Um, I was working yeah. with a friend the other day and we just typed in, you know, marketing plan for a certain artist into uh, chat GPT and what it spit out was not something you could use as a marketing plan, but if you're stuck and you want some of those basics, it's, mm -hmm. you know, you're standing on the shoulders of giants. And, and number seven that she points out is data-driven A&R decisions. And this is key. We're all looking at data, you know, to help us make decisions on, you know, what's the next big thing, you know, what's bubbling up. And she points out that data-driven A&R begins with an exhaustive analysis of the music market. However, music companies can now utilize AI algorithms to sift through an immense volume of data from sources like streaming platforms, social media, and music blogs. And that data includes everything from listening trends, uh, audience demographics, geographic hotspots, and even consumer sentiment towards artists and genres. Yeah, good article. And you know, oh, this, yeah. this it's again there's the, these the scary AI, you know, which people kind of are are in the headlines and things like that, but I think these are the things that I'm looking forward to, you know. Yeah. It's time saving, it is efficiency uh, improvement, and you know, this this is super needed. And you yeah. know, we, we've talked about this a bunch, especially in the music space. It used to be so much simpler. You know, there's when you're marketing a band, when you're releasing music, when you're creating music, you just have so many more options and things now that that make the process. There's just a lot to get your arms around. Yeah. And yeah. if any anything to help that process, to simplify it, to organize it, to make it more efficient. I am super down with that. Yeah. And so am I. And that so that's kind of one side of this. Um, argument. The other side, there was a really great piece. It was a, uh, a guest column by Paul Williams, you know, ASCAP president, mm -hmm. chairman, um, legendary Paul Williams. The headline yes. was protecting writers in the age of AI. And he pointed out a few things that we should touch on really quickly. One is he said that they're, they want to have sort of rules and guidelines, you know, that, that kind of, uh, that people adhere to uh, when it comes to AI. And the first one he said was human creators first, prioritizing rights and compensation for human creativity. Right. He also mentions transparency in identifying AI versus human generated works and retaining metadata. Yeah. And then he talks about consent, right? Protecting the right for creators to decide whether their work is included in AI training. 
Right. And how about compensation? Making sure creators are paid fairly when their work is used in any way by AI, which is best accomplished in a free market, not with government mandated licensing that essentially eliminates consent. Yeah, good point. And then a the, uh, couple more really quickly. One is he talks about credit. You know, um, mm-hmm. when uh, creators work is used in the new AI music, you know, they should be attributed. Absolutely. And of course, global consistency and even playing field that values intellectual property across the global music and data ecosystem. We are because we are a global business that is incredibly important. Right. He goes on to say that just because AI requires a high volume of inputs, that doesn't mean that it can't be licensed you know, or deserves an ex- exemption under the law. Just as, just as we've approached the streaming market, we believe the opportunities presented by AI can be realized in a free market. But to do so, we need lawmakers to stand with songwriters and not give big tech and AI companies a free ride with government-mandated licensing for AI. Right. He says, AI is a new challenge, but we are well positioned to meet this challenge as we always have in the face of new technologies. We are ready to help chart the path and we look forward to sharing those insights and breaking it down on the dance floor with the same lawmakers whose partnership and enthusiasm has helped us fight for the rights of songwriters as new technologies emerge. Yeah. And just, uh, I don't know if I mentioned this, but this is a uh, sort of a guest column from Billboard. Um, yeah. uh, by Paul Williams. So uh, it's nice to get both sides of uh, the story because as you and I say all the time in the immortal words of Todd Snyder, there are three sides to every story, yours, <laughs> mine, and the truth. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, so true. Uh, but boy, it's coming fast and furious, Jay. You know, it's. I mean, thankfully, we've got the newsletter that you 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 dig- diligently put together every week because there's just so many things to consider as this all these technologies are rolling out, and it's really hard to keep up. So. I applaud you because I know you are up very late on Thursday nights uh, organizing it. It's it's a labor of love, but it's it's just so enlightening for us because anybody who says they're on top of everything in the music industry is either lying or they're naive because it's changed while you and I've been having this conversation. We say that often and it's true. And even this week here in Nashville at uh, Americana Fest, um, I'm learning all sorts of new things. Um, on ways to market music, on different players in the space, new platforms that you and I talk about all the time. So, you know, subscribe to your morning coffee and go along on this ride with us and we'll try to stay on top of this stuff. Yes, absolutely. Where our last article, Jay, is from Symphonic. Six music industry topics every musician should learn about. Yeah, this is from uh, Randy Zimmerman. And if you haven't read Randy's stuff, we cover it a lot in your morning coffee Uh, We're big fans of not only Randy Zimmerman, but Symphonic uh, in general. And I think Mm -hmm. I mentioned to you that Michael Burroughs from Symphonic was the moderator of that panel um, that I was on. And uh, unfortunately, our good friend Randall Foster uh, couldn't make it um, to be the uh, moderator of that panel. But uh, he has a really great team over, uh, over at Symphonic here in Nashville. Right. Well, Randy starts this off by saying, as an independent musician, you are tasked with wearing many hats from master producer to marketing expert. There is a lot to learn. Among these, there are many topics creatives tend to overlook. However, she says, we're here to help you out from online marketing and streaming ideas to how to's on licensing and more. Here are six topics you should sharpen up on 
as an artist. And All before right. we start this, Jay, we, you and I have talked about this a lot, which is, you know, as an independent artist, you have to know so much. It's, it's impossible. Really, it's impossible. It's, it's such a nuanced yeah. business. And, you know, just the, it takes years to sort of wrap your head around it. And I believe that it's unnecessarily complex and maybe by design. Yeah, yeah. I, you, <laughs> yes, I think you could make that case without a doubt. Yeah, we're just trying uh, to dispel some of those myths, number one, but also sort of, you know, shine a light on some of these things because, you know, my grandfather always said that an idiot is someone who doesn't know what you just found out. And that's the music industry. These things are changing and evolving and it's very complex. So don't feel stupid if you don't know some of these things. But that's why I highlighted this article from Symphonic and we'll dive in because these are some things that may seem obvious to you, but there might be a couple in here that you don't know a lot about that you can sort of dig in and learn more about. Right. Well, she starts with performing rights organizations, the PROs. You need to make sure you're registered with a performing rights organization like ASCAP, BMI, or CSAC. This is crucial because there are these are people that make sure you're getting paid every time your song is played. But don't stop there. You'll also want to look into mechanical royalties, which is the money you make when something is downloaded or sold on, say, iTunes, uh, which ASCAP, CSAC, and BMI don't cover. If your personal research isn't enough, always consult a professional. She says, don't worry if this sounds like a lot. There are people whose job it is to help you with these types of things. And that person is a music publisher, and this post will tell you more about them. Right. Let's talk about publishing. If, if you're a composer, you're writing your own songs, there's money to be generated that you're entitled to collect internationally and you'll need to help, you'll need help collecting it. Uh, so while many labels and artists first begin releasing music on Spotify, Apple music, Beatport, etc., the business of publishing is often forgotten. So luckily for you, um, they've created a full comprehensive guide to the world of publishing. And there's a link to it in this, uh, article, uh, that uh, Randy put together. Right. And she goes on next is contracts. Oh, indeed. Navigating the legal legal aspects of the music industry isn't always easy to do on your own. It can also cost you a ton of money to get professional advice or to help you if you mess up on your own. However, there are a ton of information available online and on their blog to help you learn more. Uh, one of the biggest things artists aren't typically well-versed in are contracts and who is. Right. Uh, whether you're faced with booking and live performance contracts, record label contracts, publishing, and the like, she says, we break down everything you need to know. And, um, you know, Jay, I mean, again, when we first started in the music business, this was a complete and utter mystery. I remember yeah. Kenny Rogers had a book about being in the music business and he touched a little bit on it, but not super in depth. And contracts is where you can absolutely make it or oh, completely yes. break it and crater your career. 100%. And I think one of the people who have helped us understand more than most is Donald Passman. His book is on yes, pretty much every desk in the music industry. He's got a new um, edition coming out that you and I just got kind of an early copy of, and we're mm -hmm. going to have him on and we're going to talk about it. His last version, uh, which was a 10th edition, really has a lot of this digital stuff in there. But if you want to understand, you know, how the sausage is made and things to watch out for in contracts, 
we highly recommend Donald Passman's book. Um, and getting back to this thing, this piece, um, she talks about video platforms. And this is so important today because it's such a video world and a short form ver uh, world, um, short form video. And she says that in today's day and age, video content reigns supreme. Amen. With resources like TikTok, Triller, YouTube Shorts, Reels, and much, much more, you can create high-quality viral video content, and, it, and that can be shared across your social accounts, for example. These platforms are constantly changing as the trends go viral every day, so it's important to stay in the know. For example, it doesn't hurt you to know about things like you know how YouTube Shorts and Clips can help you grow your YouTube channel, how to find out what's trending on TikTok, you know, how TikTok uh, views can improve your Spotify streams, you know, seven places to share repurposed video content. And lastly, how to use Instagram reels and stories to reach more fans. Yes. And of course, she also covers sync licensing, how to make your music licensable. Uh, you know, of course, sync is short for synchronization. So when you're taking, you're talking about synchronization licensing in the, in the business, it refers to the act of synchronizing a piece of music with any form of visual media. And uh, so, you know, again, how do you make sure your music is licensable? She's got a lot of tips in this article about yeah. that. And this has become, sync licensing has become such an important business is part of the business. It's huge given all of the all of the video and movie yeah. content that's out there. Sync licensing is, and you know when we started there was always a sync licensing department but those guys were way down the hall in a little room and now that is so crucial not only for artist development but also just for for everything involved in in music distribution yeah. and getting your 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 career going. And so, there's revenue there. That's the there's thing with sync there. licensing is we talk about this all the time where is revenue in the music industry for middle-class developing artists it's not in streaming it's just not if you're making i don't know three to five thousand dollars for every million streams roughly and that gets paid to the rights holder you know it's there's not a ton of revenue there for a lot of artists but where there is revenue is touring and merch but sort of in that close third is sync licensing and it's not just movies and television it's video games and yes. there are some artists out there who are making a killing um, on sync licensing. So in conclusion, Randy points out that, look, this is a lot to take in um, to make things easier. Um, they've made, uh, made sure to provide links through this article to help you get in the right direction. So, you know, check out this article. It's from uh, the Symphonic blog, um, six music industry topics every musician should learn about. Um, really great stuff. Oh yeah, good stuff. And I was speaking of sync licensing. I just went back to to when I was at Capital, um, the the Postal Service was, was starting a a campaign called Fly Like an Eagle. When you when that's the name of your campaign, who are you going to? Steve You're going to Capitol Records to talk to Steve Miller. And as as I recall at the time, just for the master side, and it was a it was a it was not like a like a super long commitment. I think it was maybe a year. I think he got half a million bucks just on the master side yeah. for that. And there there um, there are large sinks, and we've seen some of them. Mm -hmm. And now, yeah, if you're the Rolling Stones and Microsoft launches Windows and they have Start Me Up and it's a million dollars, but even for working class, you know, artists, it's not uncommon to get a $7,500, $10,000 sink. No. And 
there are some artists who are making much, much more. It all depends on the usage and what kind of revenue that's going to generate. Um, but you need to learn more about sync licensing for sure. Well, and of course, it's on the master side and on the publishing side. So those are, you know, a couple of different windfalls you can potentially get. On that note, Jay, it's time for you to get back to your Nashville fun. Um, ah, yeah. I'm a little jealous. I'm a little you jealous. Gotta come out. You got to come out here with me next time. Uh, there's just, I am overdue. Yeah. I am overdue for Nashville. Absolutely. Yeah. So I will, uh, we, we, would, uh, we would paint the town red, as they say, Jay. <laughs> it would be a good time. So on that note, we do want to thank everyone for listening. Boy, Jay and I, every week, we, before we even hit record, we talk about how blessed we are and how lucky we are to have folks that, uh, I know Jay at, at Americana Fest, a lot of folks are coming up to you and say how much they enjoy the newsletter and the yeah. podcast. And it's really gratifying to hear from our side. And we appreciate that that and we do not take it for granted we also of course want to thank the folks that bring us to the party every week band zoogle hype bot bands in town and the music business association and on that note we will say thank you and we will see you next time on the your morning coffee podcast you've been listening to your morning coffee the weekly music news program for the new music business Join Jay Gilbert and Mike Etchard next time for the digital music news you need to know.